And welcome to this episode of 1202, the Human Factors Podcast, with me, your host, Barry Kirby. Before I introduce today's guests, I just want to highlight a couple of podcast updates. Firstly, the YouTube channel has been getting updated with five to ten minute snippets of existing episode content. Essentially, they're teasers into the longer episodes, so do feel free to watch them, share them, and dive into those episodes that you find interesting. There's bound to be at least one or two. Also, in terms of the categories, so you can categorise things on the website, and I have been doing so, but it's got really convoluted. So, in a way that is, is trying to be a bit more helpful, particularly those doing CPD or their initial membership logbooks, I've reorganised the categories to reflect the five different competence areas. Therefore, each episode should have, and if you find any that don't, please feel free to nag me, um, should have a primary competence category assigned to it. So if you're looking for something to listen to in particular the, in, in a particular competence area, to bolster your knowledge or for your CPD, then hopefully that makes the content easier to find and use. And just a reminder that um, listening to the podcast does count as CPD. In that vein, it's also a handy time to remind you that the end of the year is looming and your CPD entries need to be complete, ready for assessment by the end of this calendar year. So for those of you who haven't started yet, and mine is certainly looking more sketchy than usual this year, then maybe getting some draft entries in might be a good idea before the Christmas festivities start. Because certainly when you're writing your um, um, CPD um, on, on the influence of mulled wine and, and the Christmas gin, they tend to be slightly more creative. Anyway, on to today's episode. I'm sure that many of you have been through that process of submitting a paper at conference. To have to go through the stress of writing the paper, hitting the deadlines, only then to have some changes and have to resubmit it. Then you have to pull a presentation or a poster together, travel to the conference venue and then go and deliver it, to be followed by that onslaught of questions, some of which are easy, some are more challenging, and the adrenaline sees words coming out of your mouth that you had no idea that were even in your head, to be followed by a number of people in the break wanting to talk to you about your work, then reach the end of the day in the bar, devouring a well-deserved drink, relaxing in the idea that the most nerve-wracking bit of the conference is done and you survived, only then to think about next year's paper. Though some of that, to be fair, has been easier during the pandemic because as long as, you've got, uh, as long as you had a smart top on, the joys of web technology means that you've been able to give your ground-breaking presentation in your pants. Or as we found last year, Sarah Sharples given the Institute lecture in her slippers. And no one knows... But also you can have your cup of your favourite beverage in your favourite mug while sat in your favourite comfy chair. But alas, no bar, no networking, which I found I've missed an awful lot. But have you ever wondered what goes on on the other side of the fence? When you send that paper in, what happens to it? In the same way as we wonder what happened to our log- luggage after we deposit at the airport. Who sees it? How do they determine if it's a good fit? Or even if it's good enough? Well, I did. And with the ability to still submit short papers into the CIHF conference until, I think, 14th of January, I thought it'd be really interesting and useful to learn a bit more about what happens in the background. Not only to your paper, but also how do the themes come about, and what else happens that we simply take for granted as conference delegates. To help us explore what goes on behind the scenes, we have joining us the co-chairs of the conference programme committee, David Golightly, who's lecturing in systems integration at Newcastle University, and Nora Balf, the HF specialist at Irish Rail. Welcome to both of you, and thank you very much for taking the time. Good to be here, bye. You say that now. We haven't started asking questions yet. <laughs> Nori, if I can go to you first. So, it's a very posh title, um, Conference Programme Committee Chair. What, what do you actually do? 
It's a good question, Barry, and it's my first year, so I'm still figuring that out to an extent. <laughs> but uh, I, I guess what we do really is um, take responsibility for trying to put together a program that the delegates will enjoy and, and get something out of. So that's um, trying to think of good keynotes to, to have that will attract people and be interesting to, to our delegates and to the, the members of the Institute Um and also reviewing the papers that are submitted and choosing the ones that will uh, that are, are of a high enough standard and will contribute something to the conference. So just just a little bit responsible for absolutely everything then. Um, that's a challenge. So <laughs> it's up to the authors as well <laughs> what they submit. <laughs> so, but presumably you're not doing this all on your own. Is there? Um, do you do you have a, um, a a cohort, a bunch of people that you've got helping you deliver this? Yeah, so we we have uh, we work very closely with Tina and Rachel to deliver um, the the kind of logistics behind the conference and how everything comes together. Um, and then we have the the program committee itself who review all the papers that are submitted and help us come to a decision on which ones uh, should go forward to the conference. Cool. So, David, how do you get to be in such a position as the uh, the what what looks like godlike status of the uh, of, of the conference? Were you in the wrong place at the wrong time? Do you actually volunteer for this stuff? I, I, I well, I do. You do volunteer, and one of these things is, is that you kind of work your way up. So originally, I was reviewing papers for the conference. I maybe started that about fifteen years ago, and then about ten years ago, I was invited on the program committee. So I used to come along to the program committee meetings, um, which had been face to face over the last couple of years. We've had them virtually. And then I think it was four years ago or five years ago, um, it was Becky Charles, who was co-chair at that point. She asked me if I would like to get involved, actually co-chairing the conference with her. So, uh, yeah, I was volunteered by <laughs> Becky. Cool. Nora, how did you get so sorry, how did you volunteer for the uh... <laughs> Exactly the same way. Oh, so. <laughs> Including it being Becky Charles who volunteered me. So, so she has a lot to answer for. That sounds like some people have form. <laughs> um Dave, what do you see as the aims of EHF in twenty 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 two? Is the I guess do you have a different aim every year you come and look at this or is it you know, is it do you have a fairly standard aim is is what you're trying to achieve out of an ergonomics conference? Uh, it's a really good question. I mean, I think we also have some fairly core aims. First of all, it's, you know, one of the strengths of CIHF is the community. So it's an opportunity for the community to come together. Uh, again, virtually the last couple of years, um, but ideally sort of face-to-face as well, which hopefully we'll, we'll do both of in uh, the 2022 conference. There's also supporting our kind of core base, if you like. So people who go to the conference for... Are you... Wow. <laughs> Where, where's that noise coming from? Uh, I don't know. I think the police have finally found where I live. Oh, okay. It's, uh, it's, it's police time. <laughs> bandit towers around here. <laughs> anyway. So the, the second thing we try and do is... is you know, appeal to our core audience, those people who are kind of uh, ergonomous human factors people who've become the conference for years and may work in fairly sort of core areas, defence, physical ergonomics, healthcare, things like that. But I think every year we try to both broaden our reach in terms of the topics and appeal to new audiences. So I think this year in particular, we're trying to focus on UX is an important stream for us. 
as you know, Barry, we're, we're, we've got a stream around climate. We're really trying to encourage papers around climate and sustainability. And then also we're really trying to increase our international reach this year. Again, that partly comes from the virtual aspect. People from all around the world can join the conference. Um, but also thinking forward to CIHF is going to be heavily involved in IEA 2027. So thinking about our kind of our global reach and our global appeal as we build up to that event. Okay, that's cool. Um, Nora, what sort of um, content are you looking for? Is it just is it just papers, or do you, do you try and have a you know do you encourage other different types of things to be to be happening? Yeah, we always uh, have a mix of um, the papers is the the traditional route, and and kind of a lot of the the program committee is geared around reviewing papers, and and that's what a lot of people submit. But we also look at workshops and discussion formats. We have the the poster session, which we always try to make as engaging as possible, having the the one minute presentations on them. So lots of different formats, and certainly we're open to hearing about any novel formats that people might want to propose. That's cool. And for anybody who hasn't seen the the Just a Minute poster presentation, that is um, a sight to behold in itself. People literally sprinting on and off the stage as um, the the the, um, the timer is wielded with well with, with literally second precision. Um, that is something else. Um, so when you're choosing papers, Nora, if I'm coming back to you again, when you look at them, what is there anything that you're looking for when you when you when you see them there? I mean. Obviously, there must be different quality that you're bringing in, different types of topics. Um, Yeah, what what is it you're looking for? Yeah, so overall, we're looking for a variety of topics and and, um, themes across the conference, but we we actually don't have much control over that. What people submit is what what we deal with. Um, So when we come to review the papers, the programme committee are asked to grade them on, and I should know this because I just did mine (laughs) the weekend, so (laughs) hopefully I remember these correctly, Um, technical merits, so what's the quality of the paper, what does it add, Um, originality, um, so is it something new or is it something that we've all heard before, and um, interest to our audience, so how interested would the the human factors community be in this um, paper, so so those are the, the kind of criteria that we assess the paper on. Um, and then make a decision on whether it uh, should be included in the conference or not. So I guess that brings in a lot of stuff around, because one of the questions I was going to go a- ask is, what comes first, the paper or the theme? Um, but I think you've just sort of alluded to that, that you've got to, you've got to deal with what's in front of you. So how difficult is it pulling together that, um, the, the themes if, you're, uh, if you've got such a broad range? Or do you find that, are you finding that things do sort of fall into, uh, into broad categories? So we, we do set the themes when we put out the call for papers. So we do try to to put out some guidance on what kind of themes we'd like to pursue. And, and we try to match the keynotes that we organize to those to pull in um, people in those areas. But then, yeah, we, we, get a, we can get a variety of papers that might not be linked uh, very strongly to those themes and kind of... Um, one of the jobs of the program committee is to try to find links between those papers and see how they might fit together in the program and and what we might uh, market or badge them as. That sounds like it's it's sort of one of these difficult jigsaws where you don't really see the start and the end, but when it's when it's all complete, then you actually know you've done it. And there's a lot of post-it notes involved usually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can you imagine? Um, so, Dave, what's been the sort of the biggest challenges of putting uh, this year's conference together so far? Well, we, as I said, the last couple of years, we ended up being a virtual conference and, you know, the the pandemic, our hand was forced and 
I think there were some real virtues came from that. I say, first of all, kind of the international reach. We tried out new things. Anybody who was at the conference this year, um, we did a kind of interview format. Uh, Becky did some interviews. I did some interviews. We were able to change things around a bit. And also the kind of the ongoing discussion that went on while the, the, the talks were on. And people really responded well to that. So on one hand, we've got actually there were some real pluses from the, the virtual event but nonetheless there was a lot of people saying no we, we want to meet face to face so it was how do we construct a, a hybrid event out of that you know some people have you know the conferences have gone down the line of we'll do the event live but there's a way to access it virtually but we decided we, we didn't really want to go down that line so we've ended up with two days of online and two days of face to face and we hope that kind of strikes the right balance being between allowing the online community to come along, the more global community, and still sort of meeting the, the needs of those people who want to get together face-to-face. That's really neat. And also, I think, with what, from what I understand as well, the dates are separated. So, yeah. you know, it's not just one straight, straight bang into the other. You've actually got them pretty much as sort of two distinct events. Was that a deliberate choice, or did something force your hand, or...? Uh, it was a deliberate choice because we, we, we toyed as well with the idea that we would have an online event and then bang, we'd go straight into the face-to-face. But then we thought, well, that's going to be a problem for people who are traveling to the face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Well, do we have one day or two day online? So we just thought we'll, we'll separate those two sections out and then they kind of stand alone and people can come to the online or the face-to-face individually or they can come to both if they're available and they want to. Yeah. So is there anything else you need to sort of consider that maybe we wouldn't have anticipated just looking from the outside as delegates? The thing, other, other things that you need to think about uh, to, to help organise what you're doing? I think one thing we always try to think about is how to appeal to those people who primarily from academia, but not just from academia, want to uh, present sort of research work, longer pieces of work, but also really, really appeal to the people who are coming from industry or want to present shorter pieces of work and how we get the balance between longer papers and shorter papers. So for a number of years, we've been changing and starting to think about how we can sort of make the short paper format not just more accessible, but kind of more appealing. And so this year is the first time we've actually split the submission date. So mm. I think you said in the introduction, Barry, long submission date was beginning of November, but the short submission date is still to go. So that's going to be middle of January, January the 14th. Cool. So, no, you've said that this is your first year as being uh, being co-chair. Are you enjoying it? What, 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 how's it how is it for you? <laughs> no, I am enjoying it. It is a commitment and it's a fair amount of work, which um, even just, just being available for the meetings. But it is, um, we've, we've had some... Uh, we have some great keynotes that will be announced in the next few weeks, hopefully, and, and thinking of those and arranging those, there's a bit of a buzz around it um, to, to try to think of good speakers who we'd like to hear, and hopefully the, the, the delegates will as well. I guess you could be quite selfish in some ways because you're, you, you're busy setting your own TV show and uh, what, setting your own content. So. You can be, and we have to try to be balanced around that as well and think, okay, this isn't my area. It's not something that I'm big on, but actually we'd like to get a keynote from physical ergonomics, which I don't do an awful lot on, but we we really want to make sure that we appeal to, to as many people as possible and represent the discipline as broadly as we can. I like that, the, the very politically correct comment there, just to make sure that uh, people don't think you're setting your own <laughs> yeah, TV yeah, set. Yeah. Well done, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um, 
Dave, you say that you you know you've been doing this for um, for quite a few years now. Um, what do you enjoy about it? Because you've been through the entire process a number of times. What, what do you like about it? Oh, I, I I just think it's really great fun. I think there's a bit of what you just said there, Barry. It's been able to have some input on the program. It's great to be able to get involved with the, the reviewing and see the papers come in and see how it, the kind of program develops. That that you mentioned earlier, Nora mentioned the post-it notes. That bit where you actually start to put the program together, and you go from kind of a, a heap of bits to actually, okay, how are we going to put these together and and build some kind of interesting streams? Is great. I, I think it's just a great event. I really like it. I've been to a lot of different conferences down the year. And I, I mean, for me, going to the ergonomics conference as it was, that's about 15 years ago, it was a real kind of, it really set the ball rolling for me to get involved in, in ergonomics and human factors. So it was a real kind of light bulb moment, the first conference I went to. And I think it is for a lot of people, a lot of people who are PhD students, they go and it's the first time they say, wow, this is really interesting area yeah some we're trying to do at the moment again try and get more people who are maybe working in like ux and don't necessarily think about cihf as a as a body necessarily and get them enthused about cihf as a body and ergonomics and human factors yeah so getting people interested in that it's just great fun yeah that, i think and it's really cool to see you know volunteers like the, like the two of you sort of really showing your enthusiasm through this because events like this just wouldn't happen um, without you and the, and the team you've got working with you so so that that's fantastic but I think in the grand scheme of things we've alluded to it already but we haven't missed the boat yet we can still get involved Nora how can we do that at the moment yeah, so there's the deadline for the short papers in January. Um, it's only two pages, and uh, I put up a LinkedIn post recently. If you only write a sentence a day between now and then, you'll you'll have your paper written. So it's not a huge commitment, and we'd really like people to to do that. And maybe people who haven't put in a full paper before because it's a lot of work, or they're not sure about the process of being uh, of going through the review and writing a whole technical paper. So this is an opportunity to to give uh, some publicity to the, the great work that you might be doing that isn't necessarily academic or a study, but maybe just some work you've done that you want to, to tell people about because you're proud of. And um, so we'd really like for this short paper deadline to get a wide range of different papers from different sectors and different people working in different areas. Um, so yeah, please submit your papers. So then, um, so then two pages that can be sort of like more like case studies, more, you know, almost things that you're going to do or progress halfway through that type of thing, just stuff that's interesting. Is yeah, that right? work in progress and case studies, practical applications, anything that you, you um, want to, to tell the community about or get feedback on. Brilliant. And for anybody who is interested, um, and yes, the writing a sentence a day thing, um, that kind of scares me because um, I do want to get some, something else in. So that gives us, gives us a nice little target to work through. But if you're looking to submit, you can go to um, conference.ergonomics.org.uk to do that. Um, so for those of you uh, watching Stroke Listening, in fact, watching, because we, we're doing this via the YouTube, where, where all the cool kids and the, the, the well-down content creators are, um, you may notice that I have strayed away from my usual format of getting to know the background of the guests. But I've got to be honest, this has been a bit of a deliberate ploy, because I'm hoping if we get some good feedback from you, then I can convince them to come back at some point and do a future episode with me, so we can delve into their background and work out why they got into human factors and how you get to be that illustrious thing of a chair of the uh, programme committee. So do give us feedback on what you've heard today and, and let us know what you think so I can encourage them that it's a good idea. 
I'm sure now everybody's really keen to get on with their two-pager and make sure of that deadline of the 14th of January, just in case you haven't got that hint all the way through this, you, that you can still hit that deadline. So we're not going to hold you back. So I'm going to finish by saying thank you to, uh, to both of you for lifting the lid on what goes on uh, to put on a conference. Nora, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, how would they be able to do that? Um, probably the easiest way is to, to look me up on LinkedIn. I'm lucky I have a, a fairly um, uncommon name, so you, you shouldn't confuse me with anyone else. Good shout. And David, if people are keen to drop you a line, what do they have to do? Same. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, again, fairly uncommon name. So uh, there's me and a, an ele- a keyboard player from somewhere in the middle of America. There's not many David Delighties <laughs> out there. So uh, he's got a massive beard. I've only got a small beard. So yeah, if you look me up from the Newcastle page, got my email address on it as well. Brilliant. And your details will be on the um, the twelve or two podcast website as well. So if you look in the uh, this episode links and and the uh, and the guest, then all the details will be there. So it only remains for me to say, well, firstly, don't forget about your CPD that I said right at the top because you don't want to get into having done Christmas and you've got that couple of weeks before New Year to realise you've got um, your bits to do. But fundamentally, uh, thank you very much, and we'll see you on the next episode. <laughs> Thank you for listening to 1202, the Human Factors Podcast. Please do get in touch with your thoughts, questions, and comments. You can contact us on social media such as Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook at 1202 Podcast. See you next time. And remember, it's more than just common sense.